G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Radio in Melbourne with the financial support of the Community Radio Federation. We come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio stations. Today we go to the regional Victorian city of Geelong for a report on the Working Women Get Organised, the Fight for Equal Pay Conference, following up with a look at the work of an organisation called Fitted for Work, aiming for practical support to women in their quest for economic security. But first, some union news. The Community and Public Service Union, the CPSU, has published a report on the effects of privatisation at Centrelink, including results of a survey of nearly 1,300 workers at the Department of Human Services. The report shows outsourced call centre workers are telling Centrelink customers incorrect information, transferring calls unnecessarily and making errors. 85% of staff surveyed said private call centre staff don't get the training they need. 87% of staff surveyed said Centrelink clients wait longer because the private call centre staff can't resolve their issues. And 85% of staff report fixing issues that arise from the work of the private call centre employees. The government has funded 2,750 call centre jobs through private companies since 2017, as well as other contractors working in compliance areas. The CPSU report and evidence from the Australian Unemployed Workers Union directly contradict last month's Human Services Minister Michael Kennan's statement that a report from KPMG showed contractors performed as well as or better than full-time public servants on many measures. This KPMG report itself and any other findings have been kept under wraps. The Human Services Secretary René Leon told Senate Estimates last month that the use of labour hire was necessary to keep up service standards due to the average staffing level cap set by the federal government. In Tasmania, Haksu paramedics commenced industrial action starting on November the 5th, joining thousands of other public sector workers across Tasmania. They will be working to rule, banning rostered overtime and writing messages on their ambulances in chalk. Ambos are struggling to cope with increasing demand, a lack of resources and chronic ramping. Haksu says they deserve better. They call for Hodgman, the Tasmanian Premier, to scrap the cap and say Tassies need a pay rise. In Sydney, the drinking and dining empire led by high-profile Sydney hotelier Justin Hermes is facing a push to kill off a workplace agreement that some current and former staff say denies them weekend penalty rates. Despite passing an audit by the Fair Work Ombudsman earlier this year, if casual staff at Merivale were paid under the Hospitality Award, they would be entitled to penalty rates on weekends and public holidays. Merivale staff are paid under a 2007 collective agreement. Although it expired in 2012, Maryvale still uses the agreement to pay its staff and is paying them weekend and holiday rates that are consistent with 
their legal obligations under the agreement. Two current Merivale hospitality staff have launched a bid in the Fair Work Commission to terminate a 2007 employee agreement which they say leaves them worse off than if they were covered by hospitality award. The Merivale Hospitality Company owns some of Sydney's most lavish venues, including Ivy Establishment and Mr Wong. In Western Australia, employees on a mine site in Western Australia's North West have refused to turn up to work in protest of alleged wage theft saying they deserve to be compensated for the daily two-hour commute to and from the site. About 200 workers at the Rio Tinto Nambuldi iron ore mine did not board the 5am company buses for the one-hour trip and have instead sent a message to management demanding they are either compensated for the commute time or the shift is reduced to 10 hours rather than 12. Workers contend days are almost 14 hours long due to the commute time. CFMEU Northwest organiser Paul Fiera said the union had no involvement in the action and the strike was stemming from a disgruntled workers' base. <laughs> Chemist Warehouse has been ordered to pay back more than $3.5 million for mandatory online training its workers did in their own time. Some 5,976 employees, making up almost two-thirds of the retail pharmacy chain's workforce, have been paid back an average of about $600 for the training following an extensive Fair Work Ombudsman's audit. The audit uncovered that while Chemist Warehouse's head office had instructed the training be paid, many individual business owners did not comply. In a world first, administrators for food delivery company Deliveroo in Australia acknowledged that the delivery riders should have been classified as at least casual employees. Following claims by the Transport Workers Union, Australian Taxation Office and Revenue New South Wales over gross wage theft, non-payment of superannuation and unpaid taxes, the administrators accept riders are owed over $5.5 million, the ATO over $2.1 million, Revenue New South Wales over $550,000 and Revenue in Victoria and Queensland $400,000. We will have a full report on Stick Together next week. More than $8 million Dollars worth of vital food relief is now at risk following a surprise federal government funding cut to the country's largest food relief organisation, Food Bank. Six weeks out from Christmas and with just six weeks' notice, the Federal Minister for Families and Social Services, Paul Fletcher, has announced that funding for the Food Bank, Key Staples Program, will be cut almost in half, down to $427,000 per year. Despite providing food relief for 710,000 people a month, a quarter of whom are children, the organisation now receives less than half a million dollars in total from the federal government to fight hunger in Australia. Responding to the cut, Food Bank's CEO Brianna Casey said, We are dumbfounded. This funding program enables us to leverage an extremely modest investment from the government into more than $8 million of essential foods for distribution to 2,600 charities across the country. 
Just last month, we released the Food Bank Hunger Report 2018, which exposed that food insecurity is on the rise and people in the bush are 33% more likely to experience it than their city counterparts. On top of this, we are facing extreme drought conditions across large parts of the country and are coming into the natural disaster season when we know from experience we will see even greater demands for emergency food relief. I just cannot fathom why this is happening at all, let alone at one of the most challenging times of the year for vulnerable Australians and our drought-affected communities. Sally McManus, Secretary of the Australian Council of Trade Unions, has been refused the right of entry at the ABC. She put the following on social media. So, ABC management are refusing to let me visit their Ultimo premises after being invited by the CPSU and the MEAA, the Media and Entertainment Arts Alliance members, to speak at their end-of-year union meeting. Since becoming ACTU Secretary, I have visited many, many workplaces across the country, maybe one a week. In fact, many are proud to give me a tour and a rundown of their workplace, and I've had great chats with supervisors, site managers, school principals, head nurses and CEOs, alongside my talks with union members, of course. Hopefully, this is just a misunderstanding. The ABC, being the first employer in the country to say no to me being allowed on their premises to talk to their employees, would say a lot about the culture and attitude of some in management. Hi, my name's Rebecca Langley, and on the 13th of October, I went down to Geelong to the conference run by the Geelong Women Unionists Network, the fight for equal pay. So it's 2018 and all I can say is, oh my God, how fucked up I think still for women, really. I know uh, my language is a bit out there, but really our gendered reality is littered with violence and atrocity. Why are we actually here? We are actually here because the rules are broken for working women in so many ways. WGIA, which is the Workplace Gender and Equality um, Agency, recently in August reported that the national gender wage gap is currently sitting at 14.6%. That represents, on average, on average weekly earnings, that women are earning $244.80 per week less than men. And according to ACTU, Michelle O'Neill, women need to work 62 days more in a financial year just to earn as much as a bloke's do. 62 days in a year. That is 12 and a half weeks more in a year. How the hell is that possible? It ain't. And that's why I suppose we're here today. It's no surprise to any of us that women are retiring in poverty. Women on average are retiring with 52.8% less in their superannuation than men. And sadly, single women aged over 55 currently represent 
70% of the homeless women in Australia. I'm retired yep. and didn't start out well uh, with my retirement so I've spent this year sort of, uh, I, I need to know how unions work. I've been a working person but you know unions have been on the peripheral a bit. I should know how they work. But, what kind uh, of work did you do? Uh, I was initially a secretary and then oh, office work and then I um, became a personal carer. No union in personal care, which they do need. They sort of have roundabout, but not directly. So, um, and it was just as I was retiring, because in, I, work in the, I worked in the community, and so many women are being kicked up the arse for what they do, that I thought, it's time to really know. I know it's too late for me, but at least I can pass it on to my girls. I've been an early childhood educator for nearly 17 years. Um, I thought I'd just start off by just giving some background on um, my story. Um, it wasn't until I tried to get my own home, um, single person on their own, that I actually realised what my pay doesn't do for me. Um, I was just extremely fortunate that I had some dear friends that supported me, that let me move in with them, went to Garrett Tour. I mean, obviously now the rules have changed. But if it wasn't for them, there'd be no way that I'd be in my home now. With my own house, my own mortgage, and, and even now, just to make ends meet, I work a full 38 hour week. Um, I have to work outside those 38 hours doing you know, nanny jobs, cash in hand things just to make ends meet. Um, I have a housemate now as well, but if it wasn't for those other jobs, there's no way that I could probably survive with the mortgage bills. Um, yeah, life as it is, it's just getting more expensive um, and it just gets harder. Um, Negotiating team for Officeworks at the moment, negotiating with Officeworks for our new EBA. Um, and we're building in some things. We want to abolish gender silos into, in the EBA. So there are departments which are dominated by men and departments that are dominated by women. And we've got women screaming out for training in technology, for training um, in replenishment, to learn how to put together the furniture. But they're not given these opportunities, therefore, they're not given the opportunity to progress. When it comes around to you know, um, bosses, we don't get female bosses, um, which, you know, don't want bosses at all, but <laughs> I think I want to be good. And we're also bargaining for um, unlimited uh, family violence leave. Some places we've managed to get 20 days. That's really great. And we're just trying to shoot through the middle there and say, you can't put a time limit on these things. So, um, it's been five months now and we are based in Trace Hall. We are very privileged in the heart of the movement in Trace Hall. Um, and yeah, we, we are six organizers with different backgrounds. And what uh, we are doing at the moment uh, is approaching to migrant workers and migrant communities, having uh, information sessions for them in their languages. So uh, it's been uh, 
very, very kind of useful. Um, we have the information sessions and then the workers come to us and they have a lot of problems, uh, which is wage theft, as we definitely know, uh, is a big problem, but also it gets very bigger when, it's come, uh, when we talk about market workers because the bosses are less scared if they exploit the market workers. And I, I was working in a bakery in uh, Broad Meadows, and I was being wage theft as well. And uh, NUW fought a very good fight, and then in one day everyone was being paid for $15,000, $20,000, and they gave me a call, what did you do? I said, well, I didn't do nothing, this is union. So join your fucking union. <laughs> Um, and but in all seriousness, how do we um, unite? So change the rules, change the legislation, um, hold the governments to account. But as a collective group of women, and taking your point, Margarita, about um, you know women who are not working, like how do we do that? I think that there's some talk about um, trying to have a women's strike next year on International Women's Day. Uh, but even if there's no strike, come to the rally um, in the middle of the city. It's getting bigger and bigger every year and we need to get people out on the streets, not necessarily with rifles, but get out on the streets. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Uh, yeah, look, um, Spain and different countries have massive global strikes you know, on International Women's Day. I think that's a big challenge for the unions and I think we should actually try and push that to have a global strike on International Women's Day. I think we have to basically rebuild connections with each other across our different identities. Every struggle, every oppression that people experience is worth fighting for and I think that's where the unity comes in. Anything from sexuality, racism and I think men also have to realise, most men, that men and women, like working class people, we, we, we need to unite. We are not the enemy. The enemy is up there, really. And when we see, and that means blokes have to step up to, to actually see that women's issues are not women's issues, they are our classes' issues, I think that's a that's, that's big start. Thanks, Margarita. Thank goodness. Would you like a final? Um, I mean, I would actually like to support that last statement in the, the idea that um, I mean, two parts, in fact, I, enjoy, I agree with both of our speakers. I do think that we need to organise and get together on issues like Women's Day um, and the idea of having a general strike, but it needs to be a general strike, yeah. not just a women's strike. Yeah. I mean, we actually do have to come together as a class. We have to recognise that the exploitation of women and the exploitation of men is in the name of profit. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have to challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This piece was produced by Rebecca Langley at the 3CR Studios. You heard from Lisa Zanata, Margarita Windish, Carmel Hainelt, Tilda Joy, Nahid Puresa, Gwyneth Evans and Michelle Jackson. And music by Zanny. Stick together. 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 You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. 
You're listening to Stick Together, the only national program focusing on worker stories and union news. Recently, I went to the launch of the Australian Unemployed Workers Union and Per Capita's report on unemployment issues and had the happy chance to meet a person from an organisation called Fitted for Work. Their mission is to support women to gain economic security through practical means. I followed up and had a chat with CEO Donna Deswat. So we've been in existence for the last 13 and a half years and um, we started as the seed of an idea. Two friends um, were thinking about how they could help women they saw in need get back into the workforce and they were travelling together in New York and they saw something in New York they thought that they could adapt to Australia. It started out as a little enterprise in someone's garage and we've now grown to where we've assisted 30,000 women into work um, and we're now national. A disadvantage can happen to any woman at any point in her life and the reality is we either have a story ourselves as women or we know somebody who's experienced disadvantage. So that might be your mum, it might be your grandmother, your best friend, um, a colleague, but yeah, it can come in all different forms. But we know that when a woman doesn't have economic security, she doesn't really get to self-determine how she wants to live her life. We always say that money doesn't buy your happiness, but it does buy your choice. And often it can be the choice to leave a bad situation, the choice to stay in a good situation, or the choice to um, start again. So um, for us, it's very much around how we might help a woman into that economic security through employment. We have a number of different services that we offer and most women are referred to us. Uh, We usually start them off in our dressing room and it might be because uh, they've either um, escaped a domestic violence situation or perhaps they're preparing for a job interview. Our dressing room is a really friendly way for us to introduce our services Um, and we might, um, through our volunteers, we're all trained in understanding what disadvantage might be and what forms it comes in but also in understanding styling and those sorts of things as well. They might ask a woman a question like, um, you know, would you like to start off by trying on a dress today? And she might say to us, look, I haven't worn a dress for 20 years and her story comes out and we realise that she needs a whole lot of different services. So things like it might not just be about clothing, but it might be about resume hub, it might be about interview skills. But for most women, it actually goes deeper than that. We can get a woman looking fantastic and sounding great, but really we need to work on that internal conversation about her value and her self-worth and ultimately her confidence. So uh, did you find uh, that uh, more people were referred to you after, say, the legislation that changed uh, the payments to single uh, parents at a particular point? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely we did. Um, And it really put a lot of women on the back foot. If you think about um, perhaps many of those women being single mothers, obviously, um, and haven't worked for a period of time, and then suddenly they had to find work very quickly to make ends meet. Um, Having not worked for a long time, not having an up-to-date resume, not knowing how to present themselves, Often after having a child, you can lose your sense of self a little bit um, in terms of what your style is, your body's changed dramatically. All those factors play a part. 
So uh, you actually come up with methods of finding employment or is it purely uh, motivating an individual to be able to take that step? No, it's a, it's a combination of both. Sometimes women just need that little bit of extra encouragement, a little bit of extra help on their resume to get them on their way and they will find work themselves. But we also have a social enterprise called SheWorks and that enterprise is basically a recruitment service. So we work with a number of organisations. For example, we've done uh, major work with Yarra Trans where we were able to find 40 women tram driver roles. When you think about the different cohorts of women that we see, they're aged from 16 through to 65 plus. We see women who haven't finished high school. We see women who've got PhDs. We see refugees and migrants, women escaping domestic violence, exiting correctional facilities. Uh, We've got a big program at the moment that we're launching around transgender women as well. Um, women come in all different shapes and sizes and backgrounds and as I said disadvantage can strike at any time so diversity is a big part of what we do. So how do you uh, come up with the programs? I mean uh, that's a lot of different kinds of uh, expertise or do you find that there's uh, a common denominator? Well um, I suppose there's two parts to the answer to that question. The first is that the underlying common denominator will always be confidence and self-esteem. And I think we're able to address that in a whole lot of different ways. But I think overwhelmingly our model is about women validating other women. Um, It's about giving women uh, a a sense of self-worth and value. And then the second part to that question is around, um, we've been around for 13 years. So um, we have filed all sorts of different approaches and we recognise that women are not just one homogenous group. There's no one size fits all. It is about saying, well, where are you on your journey into work? And it is very much an individual approach. And we have lots of fantastic partners that we work with uh, that are able to offer us uh, specific advice, for example, on different cultural issues that might pop up um, throughout our services. But we're always evolving and we're always changing. We have a site here in Melbourne and then we have a site in Parramatta. And then all throughout Australia, it would be absolutely impossible for us to have a bricks and mortar set up in, you know, regional centres and capital cities. Um, We just don't have the bandwidth to do that. But we are able to offer all of our services virtually. So women still get their styling session, they still get their outfitting session, but it might be done by Skype. Um, They'll get assistance with their resume still. Um, They'll be able to do our programs online. Um, So, yeah, so we do it uh, through virtual means. So you're a clever lot of people, aren't you? You're trying to use what you've got, but make it spread as far as it can. You know what? I think when you you, you don't realise how creative you can be until you have to create something with nothing. That's it for Stick Together today. Thanks for listening. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Until next time, stick together.